0: Today in the show, we talk about how the Assassin Brotherhood's entire doctrine has stayed the same because of the decisions of its founders. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Bruce. And I'm Kevin. And we are back again. It's been a while since we've had an episode together.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Quarantine had me binging Assassin's Creed games, so I had to play them first before we could talk about them.
0: Oh, yeah. And you just did my favorite one, Assassin's Creed Origins.
1: I will say this one was a blast. Dude, Bayek is like... He's right next to Ezio right, right now there. on my brain. Like, right there. They are man. equally like just so badass. I wish we had more Bayek. Like, I want more of this guy.
0: Oh, dude, I am right there with you. He is my absolute favorite everything. He is an amazing uh, assassin, a great husband, uh, a dutiful father. He protects his people. Like He is just there for Egypt and its people and then also the granddaddy of the assassins.
1: Yeah, everything about this game was great, but there's a lot to talk about here. And so this episode is about the Brotherhood of Assassins' entire doctrine and how it was formed. So it was formed as a response to the Templars' existence. And mainly, it was a response to the experience of one couple more than 2,000 years ago, And how it kind of stayed anchored in its ways. And it hasn't really changed because its founding doctrine and the reasoning that we'll talk about, it's been a shared experience of oppression and unyielding subjugation through time by the Templars, aka the Order of the Ancients. And so that's really what we're going to get at here. We're going to talk about the origins of the Assassins and the Creed and what it was based on and and built on, and then uh, kind of how it's not really changed much at all,
0: and why? Yeah, so it's really, it's bonkers how, you know, a lot of things just do not stand the test of time, Um, especially ideals and words, um, especially during uh, just such a tumultuous time of antiquity in, like, ancient Rome, but that is exactly where the assassins kind of Come out into the world as a response to the order of the ancients, uh, the then Templars. And you really got to think to yourself, like, why and how is this kind of lasting this long? Really, when you see the assassins in modern day, nearly nothing has changed. The wording, the creed, its rule book, and guidelines are all nearly the same. The only thing that's really changed is, of course, the technology and Just the name, you know, they used to be called just the hidden ones, which is pretty self-explanatory. Then they just Mm -hmm. became the assassins, which literally just means like the hash smokers. So like, (laughs) they're just like the stoners now. (laughs) I guess it kind of helps with staying hidden if you just want to be that. Oh, God. Unfortunately, it kind of went around. Stoner hermits. (laughs) It went around full circle, though, because now, you know, a Hashasin is now assassin, and it's just the killers. Like it's kind of changed back to, oh, you're the guys who do the stuff. But you can see, as we talked about just now, that it's this shared experience, a response every time because of the Templars coming in. Uh, so I guess we should just kind of start where it all began or originated.
1: Yeah, and so keep in mind, we're going to be talking about, again, the origin of the assassins. So we're not going to talk about Odyssey yet. Kind of because I haven't finished it yet. But (laughs) we're not going to talk about the pre-order, only the first couple of years of pre-order and then into the uh, initial creation.
0: So, yeah, we have had like proto-assassins and proto-Templars, but... We have our first real, like, modern, traditional assassin in the form of Bayek of Siwa and Aya of Alexandria. These two are childhood friends turned, lovers turned, husband and wife back around 30 BCE, where they were first just living a normal life in this oasis in ancient Egypt when the big bad order of the ancients Strolled in the town and just destroyed their happy home and their happy life. Just really, really wanted to just make themselves known as the biggest assholes of the ancient world. So they wanted to open up this piece of Eden temple thing and they wanted to figure out its secrets. Thought that the native people in there would know. They tried to beat it out of Bayek. And when he tried to escape, uh, and his son, who was also kidnapped, Uh, tried to help him, they, on a technicality, did kill his son.
1: Yeah, so what happens is they kidnap and threaten Kemu, who is uh, Bayek and Aya's uh, son. They threaten Kemu's life in front of Bayek at an Isu site, and they kind of want to know how to get into this vault, and he doesn't know. Bayek doesn't know any of this stuff, so he's got no knowledge of it. And basically... When Bayek kind of escapes a little bit and grabs a knife and goes to lunge at one of the captors, the big order guy, he moves out of the way and then pushes Bayek into his own son. And so Bayek stabs his own son and it's really fucked up.
0: Fucked up in a way that only the Templars could. And they fuck it up royally because it then gives him the necessary motivations to destroy their entire little cabal here. And him and Aya just pretty much shed their normal lives and dedicate the rest of their time to killing out the people responsible for the death of their son. And, you know, it it may just have started as a selfish mission for personal revenge for their son and their loved one and the destruction of everything that they held dear but then it just kind of evolves into this organized crusade against the order knowing that because it's so powerful and so ingrained in politics and the church and all this like different parts of authority in the society that they're in that they have to organize themselves and ally themselves with Cleopatra and you know other parts of the resistance just to take them down now <clears> hmm <throat> Seems familiar. What, what, who does that sound like to you?
1: It's, it just reminds me of like every game, you know, like time and time again, we see like this simple scenario, just it's kind of replays through time. It's like the whole history repeats itself quite literally. And it just kind of motivates a new generation of assassins all the time. Like we always get the Templars doing some shitty thing to some people and it just motivates the assassins to say all right we're gonna come back and just mess your shit up i mean you'll think about like Ezio, for instance that's the biggest whole one, family say. basically uh, you kill the you kill his entire family what do you expect's gonna happen we have cassandra and alexios and that's in that's in previous uh in in, in odyssey we have connor kenway we have the entire kenway line <laughs> we you know we have Conor Kenry brought the assassins back from literally, literally quite literally Nothing. the brink in, in, in the Americas just on what they did to his family and his and his people like it, it's the it's just always the Templars just kill people and then it's a response. So no matter what the assassins they're never no matter what the assassins they're never going to truly leave like the earth as long as there are people who have been wronged by the Templars like that's their thing. You know,
0: I will say, like, I'm never going to defend the Templars, but they will never know like, oh, that's a guy you shouldn't fuck with. Oh, hey, that 15 year old uh, Italian Renaissance kid, he will literally (laughs) just decapitate our entire organization uh, in like 10 years time. I mean, they are called the (laughs) hidden ones for a reason. So let's, you know, let's talk about this banging power couple of Bayek and Aya. So Bayek is a Magi, which is, to put it simply, he's a cop of ancient Egypt, but they are kind of more than that. The Magi first started off as just the Pharaoh's bodyguards, but they just kind of turned into this whole protection force for the people of Egypt. Because of that, you can kind of see in the game that Bayek is sort of the field agent of the Brotherhood. He is the one who goes out does the assassinations, does the dirty work, uh, follows them into secure locations. He knows how to track. He knows how to kill. He knows how to do the stealthy sneaking around shit. And he is able to just do the muscle, essentially. And we know this role the best is because that's the role that we usually play as the protagonist in many Assassin's Creed games.
1: So Aya is kind of the other side of that coin. She's like a research agent. So. It's an important role in the Assassins. Like, without it, the Brotherhood, they can't, they can't become aimless and dangerous, you know? They, they, she is what really, I would say, she's the frosting on the cake, my favorite part, personally. <laughs> she is what brings it all together. She's the reason why they are literally, in my opinion, the hidden ones, if that makes sense. Like, she creates important contacts, scouts ahead, you know, she studies pieces of Eden, plans strategy, she's all about, like, stealth, She's not into guns ablazing right away. She's like, well, let's plan it out. Let's figure out what's going on. She's she understands the purpose of kind of hiding in the shadows and understanding what's going on first before taking action. Like Bayek definitely does have this tendency to want to just be like, what is going on? And he like goes so like, he's like, oh god! Like he <laughs> really, he's always screaming and yelling and she's usually pretty calm in the situations.
0: Oh, and I love their dynamic because of that. Because like at the end of like this whole journey, they kind of learn from each other, not like in a whole like buddy cop movie where they're just like, "Oh, I guess you're not too bad." Like they know they both are hot shit and that they are both important in different ways to doing what they're doing. But you can see the pieces starting to fit together. Of what the Brotherhood is coming to shape itself as through these two in how they act and how they conduct themselves against the Order. She sets them up. She gets all the intel, gets the information. She helps, you know, get those allies. And then Baya comes in and knocks them down, gets those assassins' kills, uh, puts the blade to the flesh, and it's done. And they just set them up again. It's really fascinating to see them just kind of make it make it up as they go along but it's obvious that like that is what the assassins are going to be doing for the next two millennia
1: literally <laughs> and 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 i want to say you know this kind of part we've spoken about before like the whole you know oh we got the person in the shadows we got the person who wants to go guns ablaze blaze and like these roles are You know, you can see it all through Assassin's Creed. We got syndicates, Jacob and Evie Fry. You know, Jacob's the kind of like field agent guy ready to jump in, smash someone's head and then be like, all right, cool, let's take the Templars down. Like Evie's kind of, Evie and Henry are more like research agents and they want to just kind of lay back and figure it out. And they're all into stealth and stuff. But this is important in this specific context, especially because these two were the beginning of that. Like these two are the reason why specific um methods are used in the brotherhood Mm -hmm. and so it's really important to realize like these are the literally
0: quite everything here in this episode (laughs) is these are the origins of this like that's really it yeah they have this balance that is so vital to everything that they do they never put themselves in front of one another Uh, i think where we saw like in syndicate with evie and jacob because it was just like i guess sibling rivalry Uh, They didn't work that well together, but although they played in their roles very well, Bayek and Aya are flawless in this every time. She's just like, hey, I got new intel. We're going to get those bastards. And he's like, I love you, baby. Let's kill these fuckers and let's keep going. And Mm -hmm. it's so awesome. It is just really cool to see.
1: And just how you have this balance of like Templars versus assassins, like it always balances itself out. The Creed itself is kind of balanced too, and we'll get into that. But also, like, these roles are kind of specific in the Assassins, and it's a balancing act. Yeah, You have the field agents, and then you have, you know, the research agents. And, I mean, too many field agents, and you're not going to really know what's going on. It's just going to be pure chaos. Too many research agents, and you don't do anything. They just kind of don't do much. They just take too long. Kind of like if you look at uh, Arno from Assassin's Ugh. Creed Unity, which I know we haven't spoken about that game much, but like he killed Templars without consulting the Assassin's Council and like it caused a lot of problems for the Assassins. He dude got excommunicated from the brotherhood like there were problems.
0: Yeah, he he just acted too much before he thought and it obviously caught up with him. And the same thing can be said for any assassin who does not understand these parts of the brotherhood. It's got to be both. You can't just be a Bayek. You can't just be an Aya. And they understood that.
1: Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break, but don't worry, stick around. We'll be right back. Aside from working, like, in the dark to serve the light, and I quote, "The the assassins, they haven't had much of, like, an agenda or a rule book past the tenants. Uh, the, the creed itself is that's, that's it. That's your, that yeah. is your it right there. And the overall goal, goal of deposing, you know, not just Templars, but just like tyrants in general, um, that's their big shtick. Like the Templars were, they are the response to the Templars, but they also, that's not just their one thing. They, they fight for everyone, not just against the Templars. Okay, so what are the tenets? The tenets are Stay your blade from the flesh of the innocent. Hide in plain sight and never compromise the brotherhood. That's it. That's it. Not like,
0: oh, you know, be sure to fund your public schools or. <laughs> 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 or like, don't oh <laughs> hike up the national debt too much. <laughs> they, they don't get that oh, muddled. Man. It is literally the bare essentials here. First of all, work in the dark to serve the light. Uh, fuck the Templars, you know, kill the tyrants. But in that goal, you just have the three tenets. Do not implicate and do not endanger the innocent. You know, this is how you hide and do not betray us. And that's it. And these came about also in the same kind of era. Like you you would imagine that would come after maybe a few years or generations of assassins, but it is again made by the founders. So I really want to just hold on this for a bit because really, even Christianity has not like had this longevity in keeping its entire text and language and guidelines the same for 2000 years. Essentially, the assassins are older than Christ himself. And they have no amendments, no updates, no asterisks, like no changes, no edits. It's just been the three tenets and their overall goal of stopping tyrants. And there's a reason why it's so simple and why the roles are so straightforward. So in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, There is like a side quest that you can do that I really enjoyed where you read about this kind of uh, this codec page where Aya, who is known in the Brotherhood as Amunet, uh, where she just kind of like sheds her previous identity, gets rid of her government name, and just takes the name of Amunet. She talks to just this uh, Roman territory in Britannia, which is now obviously Great Britain, and she tells them that the tenets of the Creed are that and nothing more. To quote her, she said, to encumber ourselves further would only dilute our resolve. When another recruit asks her about the author- like whose authority do the tenets come from? And she replies with just such a beautiful monologue saying, We are the hidden ones, a title we gave ourselves. There is no magic in these words, no appeal to a higher authority. We follow them only because they help us achieve what we ourselves have defined. These laws, they allow us to persist. The effectiveness of any tenet must be judged on the outcome of its practice. Chills. But I mean, like, through, through this quote, through this whole thing, you can see that Aya, who is now Amunet, tells them that the creed is only as good as its results. A sort of you know if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of way
1: the thing is the way the brotherhood was formed kind of it evolved over just a couple years because in in the the dlc is when like the brotherhood had just been created but we see that the years following the events of like the base game so that the brotherhood is created in the base game amunet and Bayek, they meet again and they they wanna rid a uh, Roman general from the Sinal Peninsula. And through that adventure, they kind of learn the tenants through like these great failures. Like it's like all these puzzle pieces that they have and they never just put it together until the DLC.
0: Yeah, you never really like they don't mention it because like some of it they think is like common sense. Some things they just kind of assume is to be followed, uh, because they don't really You don't see them mention the tenets of the creed, but you'd also don't see them really breaking it all that much, except for one that I found really interesting. Hide in Plain Sight was a very, like, you kind of find it as a weird kind of tenet, like that's up there with don't kill innocent people and don't betray your brotherhood. And the reason for that is because when he first arrives on the uh, Sinai Peninsula, There's a dude who is just literally singing about his great exploits, like, Oh, bye, he killed all the bad guys and he's awesome. I gave him a (laughs) lot of money. (laughs) And that's cool. And like, he was just like, Yeah, I'm badass, baby. I'm fucking walking in here. Everyone knows my name. Motherfuckers dropped to me. But that comes with a double edged sword. That fame comes with infamy. And it was much easier for the Roman generals and your enemies to find you, kill you or attack your bureau, everything. So the reason that you need to be able to hide in plain sight is because you cannot just hide in the shadows because they're just going to look in the shadows. Hiding amongst, you know, the regular people is going to be easier for you to move around and for you to go undetected. And because of that, there's a lot less damage and bloodshed
1: Yeah. And the other thing is with the bloodshed stuff, like the stay your blade of the innocent that you'd think would be a common sense one. Yeah. But while working with a local freedom fighter who hasn't necessarily joined them just yet, Bayek learns that he took he's taken like the hidden one's initial goal, but then he kind of morphs it into like this weird dark and, like, twisted version of the creed. And we learn that, like, he's been provoking Romans to attack villages to kind of help recruit more peoples. And he's not letting the uh, natural response, uh, if you will, of the Hidden (laughs) Ones make people want to join the assassins. He's just kind of forcing their hand, if you will.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, this guy has just, like, a one-track mind because he just wanted to get more people on his freedom fighting force and nothing else mattered. And I think that's something that always needs to be brought up especially for a kind of organization that prides itself on bringing in all the people who have been scorned and had their families murdered by tyrants and evil people. After this whole ordeal is done, Baek and Amunet stand next to each other and say like are we is this okay? Like, are we doing good? And they look at each other for uh, just like a bit, and they're just like, no, we got to make this right. And they then, at the end of the DLC game, talk to all their assassins and assassins in training and say like, don't fuck shit up with innocent people, don't betray us, and hide in plain sight. And that was it. And they're like, we're going to tell everyone about this. This is new, new shit from on high, from fucking, from the, uh, our administration staff. The CEO says, new guidelines here. Even though we're not about authority. <laughs> and, I mean, and then that's the thing, is like, it's always that contradiction. You have to follow your own, you know, authority, but it is to save other people from authority. And every great assassin yeah. has had to grapple with these tenets because... You know, they are kind of hypocritical of the creed. And we talked about this before where, you know, you kind of have to make your own sacrifice of freedom to save the freedom of others. And they have to either come out of there stronger after uh, embracing it, or they have fallen uh, in failing to respect the tenets of the creed and why they are there. And these, these tenets are easy to follow if, you know, You're not an idiot, Um, but (laughs) well, okay. They're easy to follow if like, you know of it very well and you respect it, but you know, just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's always going to be um, no problem, especially when you're having your own issues about, you know, philosophy and shit, but they remind us to toe the line when working for a secret organization that kills people for a living. We've all been there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, yeah, yeah we've all been there alright so final thoughts here I think through this whole thing the teachings and the doctrines of the hidden ones aka the assassins have gone unchanged because unlike a constitution or a nation or even a religion there's not supposed to be any big Politics in the Brotherhood, no lasting philosophy to be debated on their overall goal. As uh, it was talked about in those Codex pages, uh, Amunet said, like, we are bound by these by us, it is not by any other authority. And I think that really does help them just stay flexible through time to make sure that this lasts. The Templars have kind of changed their whole identity so many times. It was you know the order of the ancients in antiquity. they were the Templars in you know the medieval times, and they were Abstergo or they are Abstergo now as a corporation, but they all have the still the same goals and the still almost the same Uh, methods of doing that doesn't matter they just always cling to what kind of entity has the most power back then it was you know the politicians and government then it was the church now it's corporations but they still have the same thing power and control and the reason that i think the assassins haven't really changed much is because that's still the same it's still this corrupt steamrolling of power that is always going to rub so many people wrong that you can't help but rise up against them but that's because Bayek and Amunet just took the time to make a in case of tyrannical bullshit break glass button you know and now They just have that to fall back on any time that the Templars get a little too big for their britches. So I see the
1: whole thing with the Templars and the Assassins. I said it earlier, kind of like a yin and yang thing or a, a cause and effect situation. The Assassins, the Brotherhood itself fighting the Templars was a response to something that the Templars had done. So the Templars were, have been around for a while, and they have always had... Now, they've changed their name, they've changed their methods, but they do have a similar ideology throughout time where really it's just about control. That's, that's the thing, is they really only... They have their own kind of creed, if you will, but it's always down to one thing, control and, and power. And they always change their methods on how to control people. Whereas the assassins, they like you said, like if it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it. Like that's that's just it. Like their whole thing is are always a response, and it it's a buildup of a response. So the assassins will lose power, and 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 again, it's it's that history repeating itself thing. It's a parabola in time. It's constantly happening, happening where. The Templars get too powerful, and and in a response, the Assassins then gain power again that they haven't had in a while. They bring down the Templars, and then the Assassins kind of don't need to necessarily be there, because they kind of fix up whatever's left off. This whole Assassins-Templar, Assassins-Templar, back and forth, back and forth. I think of Thanos being like, I am inevitable. Like, this, you know, cause and effect reaction thing with the templars and assassins and their power struggle is it's basically at this point it is inevitable that it is always going to repeat over and over and over again
0: ultimately they are destined to do this forever quoting the joker from dark knight
1: it's it's a dance almost too like it's a dance of swords and whether they you know get more powerful or or they kind of i don't want to say step out of the light but Whether their power is more as a response, it doesn't really matter. They're always going to be in the shadows waiting to respond to the Templars. Yeah. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party and check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.